quick disclaimer. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the Doored Up podcast are strictly those of the hosts and guests of the show and do not reflect official policies or viewpoints of any law enforcement, government, or public service entity, nor is the Doored Up podcast officially affiliated with said agencies. The Doored Up podcast contains mostly true stories told by the law enforcement officers, firefighters, emergency medical services personnel, military veterans, and first responders who lived through them. Some names and details may have been changed to protect the anonymity of persons involved. Realize that some listeners may be familiar with these stories, and we would encourage them to refrain from commenting with any clarifying details that might violate that anonymity. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Doordop Podcast. This is episode three. I'm your host. My name is Drew. Just a quick reminder, the show is purely for entertainment purposes only. Uh, we speak with law enforcement, fire, and EMS, military veterans, and law and first responders and get their stories straight from them. So I'm joined today by two very special friends of mine. I have Kate. Hello. And Lisa. Hello. And they came here today to talk and door up with me. So we're going to get some stories from them. Uh, and so we'll get started. So both of you guys work in the same agency that I work at. We've worked together in various capacities for many, many years. Probably longer with Kate than with Lisa, going back to when I started at the jail. Yeah. Um, you were on my crew. Mm-hmm. And just like with Scott from the previous episode, you were you were a person that very quickly kind of took me under your wing and was like, hey, yep. here's how you have to kind of get by up here and do your job. And uh, I valued your opinion very much. You were a senior officer to me, and I still do. And now oh. you're like... You're big Sarge. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've said many times that, uh, that, uh, if I were to ever come back to patrol, that I would try to get back on your shift. And so we could work together again. True. Thanks. That's true. That's awesome. Thanks. And then we have Lisa, who is one of my current partners in investigations right now. Uh, she's my sounding board and someone that I gripe to very often. We, we definitely go back and forth sharing ideas on cases and, she looks to me for inspiration. I do the same thing to her. So I'm, I'm very glad to have her here today. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so this is my first, like, get the girls together episode. And it's fight, fight like a girl. That's what I want to call it because you guys. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I, I think that the female perspective in law enforcement is very often overlooked. Um. Because you guys, I say fight like a girl because you guys have had to fight for everything you have to A, prove yourselves to yourselves and B, prove yourselves to everyone else. Whether that's people that you're dealing with on the street or other cops, like, and whether you're thinking about it or not, I think that it might be there. Maybe that's just my perspective looking at it from outside, but. You know, I don't know. I think for me, most of it was uh, self-induced. Right. (laughs) Um, I never really thought about being a girl on the job. It was just a job. And, you know, at the time there wasn't a whole lot of physical things going on, fights and whatnot. And if there was, there was plenty of people around that, you know, could jump in and and help out. So it wasn't ever anything that I consciously thought of, Sure, but I certainly got, I started to think about it more when I went to patrol where I am on my own Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be responsible for myself and possibly, you know, a couple other people. Right. 
Um, and up until I had my first use of force with somebody on patrol, man, that, that hung over me, but it was more my own doing rather than something that I'd heard from somebody else or, right. you know, any, any sort of comments directed at me about that. Sure. And I, I would say that you two and your capabilities as, and the way that you handle yourselves when you talk with people, the way that you're, you evaluate things when you show up on a scene or on a call or an investigation is different than a lot of people. I mean, that's why I value you guys' opinions so much is that you're just on different wavelengths and it's not because you're women. It's because it's who you are. So I, yeah, kudos to you guys for that, that you've, you've been huge inspirations to me in the last several years. And that's why I'm, I'm glad to call you friends and I'm glad you guys decided to sit down today too. So appreciate that Drew. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so real quick, Kate, I want to touch on, and I know that this is, we're, we're trying our best to not, um, give ourselves away mm-hmm. as far as who we are, but I, we need to talk about your genetics a oh. little bit first. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Kate's sure. family, it, I'll, I'll let you explain, I guess, that okay. they're the twins run in your family. We do. We do. So I'm a twin. I have older brothers who are twins. I have one of them has twin boys and then I just had my own twin boys. Yes. And they're they just turned three. I was going to say yeah. three or four. I can't. Yeah. It's so hard for me to keep track when they're little, little. Yeah. But yep. they just turned three. It Like, I don't know what's going on in the gene pool <laughs> in your know. family, but holy <laughs> cow. needs to be a lot of us in this world, I <laughs> Apparently, guess. Yeah. Apparently you guys are multiplying. Mm-hmm. So I have always, that's always fascinated me. And I just like, it jumps around and every generation gets some of it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. That's always fascinated me. And then Lisa has also has an interesting perspective because she's second generation law enforcement. Right. Yep. It's, uh, you know, again, growing up, it wasn't ever anything on my radar. It wasn't like, I'm going to grow up and be a cop one day. It just turned into, I'd gone as far as I was going to go in my previous career. And I thought, well, this is the time, this is the time to, to try something different. And I'd like to say like looking back that it was the retirement that got me. It wasn't, <laughs> it was just like, this is something new that I feel right. like I, I'm, I can do and do well. Um, but yeah, dad, dad retired the first year I was with the office. Okay. So he was there. Um, he did 12 years with the PD and then 25 with the SO. Okay. Um, so 37 years in law Jeez. enforcement, which I don't know how that's he how, managed I that. I mean, that's how old I am right now. I can't. Right. <laughs> it's unbelievable that's to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm only 12 years in and I'm thinking, geez, do I do like another nine in my <laughs> and get out or do I do another 19? And I can't even imagine no. coming right. up to 37. Yeah. No. That's, that's insane. I just hit 15 this month and... That's, I only have a fraction of that left to go, and then I can leave if I want to. I've had, we've had this conversation several times already just on the show, is that mm-hmm. I've said it many times, and I'll maintain that when I hit 21 years in a day, if I, don't, if I don't like work that day, it might be my last one, and they can pick their stuff up in the parking lot. Well, I think that seems to be kind of the theme. I've heard a lot of people that have hit that retirement age where um, there's a, that relief, I think, once mm-hmm. they hit it and they know they can, yeah. there's a relief there, and then they keep going because they know, you know, if it gets to the point that they're not interested anymore or just so jaded that it's time that they can and they're not going to be penalized for it. Right. So there's that relief there for sure. And it's, uh, I think that the people who stay past that point 
they're either working on bolstering their retirement further or they're staying because they enjoy it. Right. And then there's clearly people that we've all seen that they hit that point and they're like, nope. Peace out. Yeah. Or they hit that point and they stay even though they hate it just because they don't. Like, it's funny to watch cops as they progress in their career because, like, I'm at a point now where I'm having to think about retirement. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what am I going to do when I grow up? <laughs> No kidding, because... That imposter syndrome. (laughs) No, seriously, imposter syndrome is real. Mm -hmm. Because when I started in the jail, the guys like me, the investigators, they were gods to a rookie in the jail. You know, and you'd... I think I only met two of them. There's one of them that I never even interacted with at any point before he retired. But, like, the investigator that did my background investigation when I started with with the office, I was so intimidated... Mm-hmm. And just like, oh my God, like, I want to be you. I remember sitting down with him later on in an oral board when I tested for, uh, the first time I tested for patrol. And, you know, they ask you the question, where do you want to, what do you want to be doing with your career in 10 years? And I said, I want your job. Now here I am 10 years later. But at the time it was just one of those off the cuff remarks that it was like, yeah, I want your job. Like mm-hmm. your desk looks pretty fucking good. <laughs> You know, not knowing at all what I was getting myself into. Now, I've been doing it for a couple of years, and we talk all the time, me and Lisa, about, like, we have days where it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Just flying by the seat of our pants and right. hoping we don't fuck up anything. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so I look down, I guess, from where I'm at to the new guys that I'm doing background investigations for and wonder if they look at me the same way that I looked at the detectives and investigators when I was a brand new rookie at the jail. And I'm sure they probably do because. Well, you know how quickly in hindsight I'm, I'm on my 16th year, almost 17 and how quickly that time goes in hindsight. But when I started and I was just turned 21 years old, that Mm -hmm. seemed like, I mean, ages from now. And I think what's unique about our perspective on, on retirement we started our careers when we were babies. Yeah. And, you know, this is a historically, it's a short termed career where you're in 21 years, you get burnt out, you get whatever, you know, shift work, the stress. Um, and so, you know, I'll be eligible for retirement when I'm 42. Yep. So that's way too young. I've got young kids. I can't just be <laughs> retired. So right. I have to think about what you said. What am I going to do when I grow up? And, to be fair, I'm a patrol cop, so I have valuable skills for what I do now, but I can't go into the corporate world sure. and, and say, well, I know how to settle a domestic dispute, fellas. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah. Like I can spot a speeder working his way through traffic. Exactly. Or- so you don't have, if, I mean, a lot of people end up staying in somewhat closely related fields to law enforcement, but if you want to transition into something entirely new, that takes a lot of forethought. Am yeah. I going to have to go to college? I'm going to go get extra training. You know, these are the conversations that we have at my house too. Yep. Yep. Because also you're another super interesting perspective. Not only are you a cop, but you're a cop wife. I am. Yeah. Your yeah. husband is a is an officer with a nearby a municipality mm-hmm. and- you guys met working at the jail. At the jail, yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. guys were both on my crew when I first started yeah. up there. I had asked Kate, just for listener reference, if 
she'd be willing to bring her husband. She was like, yeah, fat chance. He ain't, he ain't coming. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> I don't know. I'm he, like, maybe after he listens to a couple episodes, but he is, he is a very, um, what's the word? He, he keeps to himself. Yeah. He's like a real mm-hmm. homebody kind of yeah. guy. And that's, that's another thing that I've noted definitely about you two is that you, you segment your personal lives and work. Yes. You guys very, very much. much have very rarely socialized with other people outside of work. I mean, work, you know, other cops, um, specifically to keep home life home and have something that's, you can step away from all the shit that we deal with. And I totally respect that because I don't have many friends that aren't cops that I don't work with, you know, and keep in touch with. Yeah, I don't. So I I could probably give you a couple reasons for I don't it's not a conscious effort that I made to do that but um you know it it's something that works it keeps keeps me grounded mm-hmm. you're not so absorbed in the job day in and day out it gives you that time to just be home and and be with your family and then you know I'm married I have kids they don't care about what I do right. well I mean my husband does but that's different <laughs> you know um yeah, I think you, for me, it's 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 healthy to have that that degree of separation. And then too, from, I mean, in in my opinion, as a woman, I don't need to be fraternizing with the majority of my coworkers or dudes. Sure. And, and that, as a supervisor and, too. Well, yeah, and so I think you know just to to keep the rumors from flying and stuff. Sure. I just I, I respect my family, and that's what that's how I do. Sure, sure. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll tag on with that one. I, again, just like Kate said it to me, it's never been a conscious thing. I remember when I first started and hearing from all these, these cops saying, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose all your friends that you had coming into this and you're just going to start hanging out with other cops. And, um, it was never done, you know, intentionally to continue to hang out with my friends, but it, to me, it gives me balance. I don't want to be thinking about work stuff when I'm not sure. at work. Um, and patrol, what to me, it was a little easier. You know, you could you could take a report, and you as long as you got that report turned in at the end of your shift and you went home, you were done. Sure. Um, here, you know, with investigations, it's become a little bit more difficult to turn my brain off. Um, but for because I know my myself so well now, mm-hmm. I recognize that, you know, being the type A personality, as long as I have my to-do list and I have everything that pops up in my head on that list, sure, um, I can sleep at night. And knowing that that list is still going to be there in the morning, I've not forgotten what, you know, just popped into my head randomly. Sure. And it allows me to be a little more balanced in my personal life. Yeah. Um, you know, there are certain people that I would love to hang out with socially, you know, but again, I'm not a social person. I just, <laughs> I don't go hang out at bars and, yeah. you know, I don't, uh, you know, I, I have a hard time leaving my house most days, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, but that's my comfort level. It has nothing to do with, you know, not liking who I work with or, right. sure. um, I do love everybody. Um, they're all great. And in fact, you know, I don't think that I would laugh nearly as much, you know, <laughs> if you guys weren't in my life. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's There's... important. I, we, I have, don't get me wrong. I have strong bonds with the people that I, that I work with. You have, it's inevitable. You, you go through shit together and you just create these bonds with each other that, that last forever because yep when shit goes down and that guy was there with you, 
you don't forget stuff like that. Yep. And and so I think you have this unique um, community of of your coworkers, of your family. Um, no, I, I mean, I don't hang out with them outside of work. I don't call them on the regular, but I know that if something was happening and I needed them, I, it wouldn't be a, a second sure. thought, you sure. know? And that's, I mean, there's been several times in the last few years where if I hear about something going on with coworkers, even you two, like, doesn't matter what it is. I don't care. Like if you need me to go pick up your kids from school. Mm-hmm. I don't care to call me. I will make it happen. Like, cause I know that you would do the same for me if I needed help. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, I consider both of you to be family in that, that aspect of like crossing that line from, I would agree. I'd put it into that category that it's people that you've been through enough shit with that you trust implicitly, no matter what, that you can count on them in any situation. You don't always use that, mm-hmm. but there's occasions when you call on those markers like, Hey, I, whatever it is, like, anybody? I, I ran can't, out of gas. I can't yeah. get a hold of anybody else. Like, can you give me a hand? And if it's, you know, if they can help out, then it is what it is. I put the wrong round in my AR. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. True. I, still, <laughs> I still have that. Oh, that was mortifying. <laughs> yes. Oh, because I'm... one of my mini hats that I wear, I'm a, one of, I'm our master department armorer for rifles. Yes. And, and you I, doctored up one of my, well, my sidearm, you doctored it up for me. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember what you call it, but you did that I, thing. I did your, I stippled your grip for there you. you. Go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You did that thing. <laughs> did. And, uh, so that was a couple of years ago. That Lisa, was a long time ago. But yeah. When I did your, when I did your mm-hmm. Glock, but Lisa called me a couple of summers ago. It was like, I have a problem with my rifle and I need you to look at it. <laughs> well, I was trying to get prepared for quals and I, you know, I went and I'm like, I'm buying, you know, some rounds to put down range and feeling good about myself. And I get out there and I'm like, I'm going to be done in an hour and I'm going to rock this. And I did not rock it. Oh, no. <laughs> I bought the round or the wrong size. And yeah. um, luckily, like Drew, he didn't make me feel bad. He's like, thanks for bringing it to me yes. before, you know, it, trying to fix it yourself or, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, then I was... I was home alone because it was during, we do a week long SWAT training every week. And so you called me like, Hey, I got to bring this rifle to you. There's a round that's stuck in the chamber and it's the wrong ammo and I can't get it out. And I'm like, okay, well bring it to me. And she brought it to me. So I'm down here in my basement in my tool room. Like, (laughs) uh, so there's a live round in the chamber and I'm getting ready to punch it back out through the chamber with a rod and a hammer. So I called (laughs) the undersheriff. I called the undersheriff and I'm like, listen, I'm not on the clock. I'm not working at the office. I'm at home. I'm working on somebody's rifle. If it blows up and I lose an eye, am I covered (laughs) under workman's cup? And he's like, yeah, you're good. I was like, okay. So I smacked the round like, you know, it was one of those, oh, cover your ear with one hand. (laughs) Smacked it with a hammer and it came right out. I was like, okay, we're good. So easy fix. Yes. But I saved that. And it may reappear at some point in your career. Just fan bloody <laughs> Just be aware. God damn. So yeah, if there ever comes a time that I need to roast you for anything, I still have that. So Drew, I came to you. <laughs> you know, for well, you're, help. everybody's gonna hear it now. You're putting now it out I'm there. I'm never gonna come to you for help. <laughs> you put it out there to the world. I didn't say anything about it. You brought it up. Uh, Just say well, yes. I have to say though. Isn't it nice that you have somebody that you can go to with problems such as this and not ha- be belittled? Right. You know no. what I mean? Right. 
Yeah, I would feel different if you couldn't make fun of me. If you were just sitting there stone-faced and just like, you know, in your head, you're just going through, how much of an idiot can this person be, you know, (laughs) and not being able to verbalize that. Well, (laughs) I couldn't be upset because you are so meticulously organized that you, you prepare for everything. Like you're always thinking ahead and like, even if you're just gaming it in your head, you're always thinking, trying to think one step ahead. So you went the extra step that most people don't on our department, especially on patrol at that point. Like I'm going to try to take my rifle out and spend the extra time to familiarize myself with it before my qualification so that I don't look like shit when I get out there game time, you know, which is most people don't do that. But that's the classic type A, you know, yeah. perfectionism sort of. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that can relate to that. Yeah. But that's... Mm-hmm. That's just to help control my anxiety more than anything. <laughs> yeah. And then it's so funny because our offices are right next to each other, me and Lisa. And you go into Lisa's office and it's so organized. Everything has a place. And she like she has a plan for what she wants to get done that day, whether that happens or not. You know, that's neither here nor there because that never happens with us. And then you go into my office and it looks like a fucking bomb went off. <laughs> there's and there's just like everywhere. there's just like stacks of random paper and I'm like, that's a case file. Don't fuck with that. Like everything <laughs> is right where it's supposed to be there. Right. And every day Lisa will come into my office and look at my desk and say, It gives me fucking anxiety. It just does. Being in it your does. Office. I don't under I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> but to each their own. Yeah. And then yeah. about once a month I'll have a day where I'm like, I can't have like I can't take it and I'll go through and I'll reorganize everything and clean it off. And yeah, but in that in between process, it can get pretty nasty. So that's just my organization that's style. Cool. That's being, I don't know. I think you're minimizing just <laughs> 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 like, like, I don't know. Taylor's can get pretty bad occasionally, yeah. but yours I think is probably the worst I've yep. seen out of the row. <laughs> yeah, it is. But at the same time, like I, we talk about me and, Taylor talk about it all the time. I by far have the most open cases because it's a, I have this mindset of, I can still solve that. I can still do something with that case. I just need a day to do it. And that never happens. So I get all these cases that, you know, about once every three months, about, about the time for evals, about every six months, it's like, Hey, you have 45 open cases. Everyone else has 15. You should probably you know, go through and decide which ones you can actually work and keep those ones and then archive the rest and close them out and do what you can. But I can still, (laughs) it's like, no, you can't just stop. Okay. Learn when to walk away. Yeah. I think that's something I can't, I can't relate you guys. I, your job seems infinitely harder than my job because I get to just turn it, I mean, aside from a few things, but for the most part, my day's over when my day's over. Yeah. And and you guys have stuff that piles up and sits in your office and you have is in your face and wakes you up in the night. And yeah, I think, you know, Lisa, I appreciate when you talk about how you can kind of handle that and how you kind of organize your brain to, to where that's not completely overwhelming. Um, because, yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a few things that I've done or been to or whatever that kind of hang over my head, but nothing like what you guys have. Yeah. Well, and that's – investigations is if if you get into it not knowing that, then that's your fault, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the way I look Touché. at it. Like, 
it's it's kind of part and parcel of the gig. Like mm-hmm. I knew, I knew what I was going to have, the types of cases I was going to be working, what my caseload would be, and at the time that I would be spending most of that time working those cases pretty much by myself, um, working sex assault and child abuse cases, which are the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. And I accepted that and it's been three years now and I have many days where I'm like, I don't want another case. You know, me and Lisa talk about it all the time that there's this 90, 10 percentage that 90% of your cases, it's a good case, but something's going to hang you up and you're not going to be able to get it done. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep hoping for that 10%. Every time you get one that comes up on your desk, you're like, man, I hope this is one of the 10%. Yeah. And when you luck out and it's a good case, it's like, that's why I do it. And it makes all the other shit worth it. But man, that 90% is a struggle. And that's child abuse and sex assault cases together. And Lisa's been learning that for the last <laughs> 10 Well, or, you know, particularly, last. you know, I can't even say it was particularly bad this week. It just, I think what made this most recent case awful for me and kept me up at night um, was just knowing that I know something bad's going on. Mm-hmm. I know what that is, but I can't prove it. Yep. And it's going to be an uphill battle. And this is going to be a year-long process. And what if it doesn't work out? What if those kids don't get out of that house? What if, you know, they continue on the path that they're on and yep. things just either stay the same, which isn't good, or even get worse? Sure. And just feeling like my hands were partially tied by how statutes were written, you know, what, what other groups can do. Um, and just feeling that frustration and, and, and recognizing that, you know, on the face value of this case, you walked into this house. It's not like a meth house where you say, Oh, look, there's needles in the corner. You know, I can take protective custody of these kids. It wasn't like that. And, um, that was frustrating to me to, to, to be part of that and to see it and to know that something awful is happening and feeling like I can't fix it yep. right then. That was frustrating to me. Yeah. But, you know, you said something to me that really struck me when I was venting to you the day after and you're like, well, your anger means you're invested. Yep. That's and, I, your and I'm like, well, that's, that's interesting to me. I, I did like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really hard. Like I'm still daydreaming about what I would say to this person <laughs> if, if, if this person was stuck in a room with me, yeah. you know, like just, you know, you're sitting in the shower and you're like, uh, you just have those, you know, imaginary conversations yep. in your head. Yeah. Yep. It, they're still happening, you yep. know, but it's only been four days. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, but how can you not, I mean, we're all people. How can you not have those feelings and, and emotions as much as we try to compartmentalize you can't help it it boils over right yeah that's what makes you good at your job yeah well somebody asked me how do you how do you have a healthy relationship with your husband when these types of things happen and it was difficult for me to answer like he he does know what I do he does know that it takes a toll he knows that typically when these things happen, I just need to like word vomit on somebody and then it's fine mm-hmm. as long as I have that sounding board. And I'm not, when I, when I do word vomit, I'm not looking for solutions. I'm just looking for me to get all my thoughts and feelings out. And then that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, luckily he understands that. And I understand that it's usually like I'll blow up for like five minutes and then it's done and over with, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, I have been able to sleep the last two nights. Mm-hmm. So that's been nice. But I think that's because I, I know that I've got a vent or sure. I'm going to explode mm-hmm. on somebody one day. That's, I, I <laughs> would the same way. Yeah. Yep. Our, our line of work is very hard on marriages. I mean, like divorce rate is extremely high. Um, me and my wife have been married for 11 years and there's not a day that goes by where it's not something doesn't kind of spill over at some point. Um, you know, trauma and dealing with the things that we deal with definitely affect your life at home. Um, it affects the way that you parent. It affects the way that you interact with the people in your life, whether that's your spouse, your kids, your family, whatever. I mean, even just friends. And I, it's, it's, commendable that you know my wife has managed to we've managed to find ways to deal with it together and it's very much the same way I think that every well not every cop and their spouse has that Um, it's very much that are we are we problem solving or are we just venting like what are we doing when we're talking about this stuff how do you how do you want to proceed today with what we're talking about? Like, can I help or do you just need to talk to somebody about it? And I've been fortunate enough many times that I've joked that both of you at different stages have been my work wives that I can like come to you guys with anything. And that helps too. having somebody that understands what you're going through, uh, you know, peer support, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, having the support at home and peer support. We, we haven't really got into mental health and stuff on, on the show yet, but it's coming. Oh, good. Like that's one thing I'm yeah. super passionate about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it needs to be talked about more. It definitely does with every, every first responder. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what we do or what lane you're in. Um, I mean, we work, me and Lisa work very closely with a couple of DFS inve- investigators that, go into these houses and they, you know, they're, they're viewed as the bad guy because they end up taking kids away from these families to keep them safe. And that weighs super heavy on them. I'm going to have them on the show, hopefully knock on wood eventually at some point. And, uh, like we definitely bounce stuff off of each other and try to maintain that. We have this big group of people that work these types of cases together that we very heavily lean on each other. And it's, you know, I know that no matter what, if something's going on, with me that I can come to Kate, even though we don't directly work with each other anymore and still talk to her mm-hmm. and no matter what. Yeah. So it's good to have those, find those people and hold them close and keep them, you know, keep that relationship and get the help that you need. If you need it, don't be, don't be afraid to put your hand up and say, Hey, I'm not okay today. I need, I need a hand. So we've, we've all been there for each other to hear that. So, yeah. Well, and I, I say it all the time. Um, it's something that I kind of live by, and it goes back to what Lisa said. Um, so somebody explained to me, you know, years and years ago that our brain is like a bottle, and it fills up and it fills up and it fills up. And you don't know what that last drop is that's going to that's gonna make you spill over. Yep. So if you don't dump out some crap along the way, mm-hmm. you're going to get yourself in trouble. And, um, yeah, I have, I have things that happen that, that I just need to get it out or cry or whatever it is. And then I'm good. Like usually I have to vent, 
you know, and then sleep. Yeah. Get some sleep because that's, that's, um, if you don't take care of your body, your, your minds forget about it. Um, so that's something that's really important to me. And then I found that you, you have to have people that you can talk to that understand and that can listen because I used to, I used to talk to my family members and stuff. And I realized in doing that, I was kind of, you know, traumatizing them Yeah. as a result of my trauma Yep. Or, I mean, if you want to call it trauma, but you it's know what I'm saying. It's stop. It's trauma. <laughs> so, but, so I'm, so I'm, I'm putting all this shit on people, on innocent people who they're not in this world. They don't know how everything works. So they, it, it makes it worse because then I feel guilty for putting, for making them feel this way. And then they also don't, it, you know, it comes back to me because they're like, so then what did you do? Right. And like Lisa said, <laughs> Sometimes I can't do anything. You know, sometimes you're stuck by our laws, by the system, by whatever. And so I found, you know, yeah, you have to find those people in your life that understand what, what you need and that you can just dump on and they have broad shoulders or, or whatever, close the door, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then you guys can both move on. And then you never, what I really appreciate is like, I can come in and dump all this shit on you and walk away and we never talk about it again. Yep. Like that that happened and we're good. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have yeah. to revisit this. Yeah. And then, you know, there's always later there's there's that dump and then okay, it's done and then later on a week, you know, a couple of weeks later, the next time I see you it's going to be, "Hey, you good?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and yeah. just I'm checking in. And that's yeah, and then also I think there's there's people, the people that I trust, the people that I'm willing to talk to, it's not everybody because I don't, I'm not a delicate flower, okay? I don't need you <laughs> to like take care of me. I'm not coming to you because I'm at this breaking point or whatever. Sure. I just need, I'm like everybody else, I just need to dump this shit out and let's move on. I, I know I don't need you to come in and rescue me, but like like you said, sure, maybe a week or so later, just be like, hey, buddy, yep. we good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. And I, you know, I had a period of time where, you know, I, yep, I'm good. Like nothing affected me, you know, outwardly on the surface. I'd go to these horrible calls and deal with this shit. And like, I don't feel anything when I'm there dealing with it. And then later, you know, not realizing what's going on. I'm blowing up. I'm angry. I'm screaming at my kids. You know, I'm drinking more than usual, whatever it might be. Like, I'm not finding pleasure in the things that I used to do. All of those red flags, but I'm not seeing it for what it is. And it took me having a panic attack and winding oh, up yeah. winding up in the emergency room because I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And I get down there and they're like, bro, you're fine. Like, just breathe, which, yeah, that helps. Mm-hmm. Um so talking with some close friends, you know, that I knew had been through super stressful and traumatic experience, officer-involved shootings, talking with them, it was like, hey, I need to talk to somebody. There's something going on with me, and I don't know what it is. And they're like, I got you, bro. Like, here's what you, here's what worked for me. Mm-hmm. It might not work for you, but thank you for coming to me. I'm going to try to help you. And those two guys that did that, you know, it was like huge you know, cause they're not, they're alpha males, you know, they've got the A type personalities that you would never, 
if they hadn't told me, I would have never known that they were like, yeah, I go to counseling every week. Like I talk with somebody because my buckets are full. That's the way the one guy mm-hmm. put it to me. It's not bottles, it's buckets. That's how yeah. he put it. And like, and sooner or later, you're dumping the wrong shit in the wrong buckets. Something's going to overflow and you need to dump them out once in a while. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was a game changer. And once I realized that basically I had spilled over and was all this shit was affecting me for the last, at that point, you know, 11 years, it was like, okay, well, I need to do it different now. And ever since then, it's changed the way that I process things, the way that I deal with it after. And I, I can't thank those guys enough. I'm going to get both of them on here eventually. Like I've talked to both of them and they're, when I talked about, you know, it's coming, we're going to talk about mental health. Those two were probably the two biggest like proponents of getting me to a healthier place and realizing that I'm not okay. You know, sometimes I had a lot of stress going on and how to deal with it and then healthy mechanisms, you know, going from there. And I, yeah, I can't thank those guys enough. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I've been so vocal about my own struggles is, Mm -hmm. I, you you kind of want to take the stigma away of of we're all, we're, we're struggling we yeah. we see things regularly that most people don't um, but I had the same experience where you know I was dealing with a lot of a lot of things at home you know my mom had cancer she had died I was mm-hmm. getting engaged and all these things that were just swirling and I had a very alpha uh, big dude you know is on patrol he's a sniper he's he's like the epitome of what you think a, a type a man is <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and he actually you know he pulled me aside one day um, in the jail and I was still working there and he was talking about counseling and I and he actually recommended somebody and he's like I went and saw I went and saw her and and I had a great experience and I'm yep. like he buddy Holy checked you. That's yeah, what he for did. sure he did, and I'm I'm thankful he did because at the time, you know, I don't, I knew things weren't great. I mean, that's obvious. Sure. You're, you're struggling with all kinds of different emotions, um, but man, I'm super thankful that he did that, and I think that's why now I, I like I said, I am so open about my own struggles is I want other people to know it's normal. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and not to feel shame for saying, Hey, I've had enough. I'm going to go home and take a nap or yeah. I'm going to go make an appointment to talk. Or even, I, I think that's the frustrating thing is counseling isn't always talking. It's so many different modalities now yeah. that if you don't want to talk, there are a ton of other options out there. Um, and I want people to know them. Yeah. And that's, so I'm super thankful that, you know, he did that. And I, I don't know where I would be had he not, you know, sure. I probably would have had a meltdown. I probably would have ended up on medication at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and then struggled to come out of this hole that I had dug that didn't need to be dug any mm-hmm. deeper than yep. I was already at. So I had a, a similar experience. Yeah. And it, for me, the biggest part of it was kind of learning my triggers, like the things that going through these experiences, dealing with all these things that we've seen, like I know what's going to get me later and I can kind of catch it on the front end and prepare myself better for it. Now going through, but before I started talking with people, you know, like, and they had point out like, well, why did that make you feel that way? You know, whatever it was. And it was, Oh, Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) So it's, it's, yeah. Finding it's, finding a way and then I've gone to a handful of different people trying to find someone that I can connect with 
And that's a, that's a huge struggle that I hear from most people is that we don't have the programs in place to really help them out. And then they don't go outside of that. You know, like we do have some, some programs in place for our department, but people don't take the time to look into it and invest in it on their own and find a way to make themselves okay. So I'm always like, if I can help in any way, I don't care who you are, whether you work underneath me, if you work in my agency or not, like if I can point you in the right direction, I, I will help. So I guess that's a note for listeners out there. Like it's okay to not be okay every once in a while. It's okay to ask for help. Well, and yeah, it's, it's try not to get offended if someone, one of your loved ones, somebody close to you says, what, what is it? Right. What is going on? Because you get in your own, you get in your own little world and it's, it's little by little. And then all of a sudden, yep. and, and those people that are close to us in our lives can see it, but we don't see it ourselves. Yep. So I think you two are lucky that, that you had people come in and, and kind of, you know, just look out for you. Yeah. I'm I, like I said, I can't be thankful enough to those two guys for that. And it wasn't just them. It was a lot of other people like everybody knows when somebody's off their game, you know, especially when we work like as closely as we have for years Mm -hmm. with me and Kate, like she could definitely tell on a day when I was off Mm -hmm. and sometimes she would call me on it, Mm -hmm. you know, which is good. That's healthy. I think that's okay too. It's good to buddy check your, your people on your teams. So yeah. Yep. Well, this got like really heavy. <laughs> no, it's all right though. It's good to talk about this stuff, yeah. I think. I don't think it gets talked about enough. I have an aunt that I'm going to get her on the show as well. She does equine assisted therapy oh. for veterans with PTSD. Well, not just specifically veterans, but she works with people that have gone through trauma and does equine assisted therapy. And it was one of those like talking with her about her program learning more about it. And it was like, yeah, you should come check it out. I'm like, why are you asking me that? <laughs> it was like, oh, right. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Message received. Yes. I get you. That makes sense. So, but you know, I've been, you know, in one form or another experiencing trauma for almost 20 years now, you know, in the military and law enforcement, two combat deployments, how many years on SRT, it piles up real fast. So it's, I've, I've learned, I've learned what does it for me, how to get around it and how to make myself better. Like, doesn't mean that it doesn't still happen often, (laughs) but stress is stress and trauma is trauma. And it does what it does to your body and your mind, whether you want it to or not. And as long as I'm still doing this job, that's just cost of doing business. But, you know, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is I'm I'm good. I'm I'm glad that there's people who are in the in the right mindset and who know they're who know that they can handle this, that are handling it so that others don't have to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's always been one of my like I'll carry all of that shit so that someone else doesn't have to. Yeah. Cuz I've, you know, like there's no taking it away from what I've already had. Might as well keep going until a point where it's like I've I've truly had enough and then I'll hang it up. But that's, yeah, it's that protector mindset. And I think we all have it to a certain degree that we want to insulate the people we care about and the rest of the world from 
seeing and dealing with the things that we deal with on a daily basis. You know, it's a, I've said it before, we go on calls. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to someone before their house burns down. They've, mm-hmm. they've been sexually assaulted, whatever. And for us, it's Tuesday. You know, we just, yeah, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. So. I think how quickly we forget that, you know, you go to a call. I was just talking to one of my um, coworkers about this. You know, somebody called to report. Some, I mean, it was nothing to to us. It was like a $15 theft. Right. You know, and it's one of those calls that you're like, <laughs> you go to and you're like, really? But to that person, that was the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. And how quickly we forget like, oh, yeah, this is this type of stuff never happens to you. So so it was in their world, just it was all they could handle and they needed to call for help. So I think it's important to kind of check yourself on on those things. And, you know, us, those of us that are in 15, 16 years and, you know, you, you go into these things, you're like, Ugh, you know, just <laughs> you can feel the eye roll. <laughs> Even from the dispatchers, they're right. like, oh, yeah. happy for a fraud. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Right. And so <laughs> I think it's sometimes people need gentle reminders like, hey, it's not about you today. Yep. Go handle Go do your job. And see, that is, that's a sergeant talking. That's a training officer talking. That's, that's community policing to me. Like being able to connect with people and set aside that like, Ugh! I just got done with like I'm trying to go eat lunch, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like we've all been there. It's a late call. Like RP demands to speak with a deputy immediately. Right now they're in the lobby. Like you can't even get up the fucking stairs to go clock out right. without them stopping you. And like, okay, I'll take the time to deal with this the right way. And a lot of times that saves you heartaches and you know more bullshit down the line anyway. So. Well, and, and it, it ends up, you leave that impression on that person that I needed, I needed help. They don't necessarily even know what kind of help it is, right. but you know, it's, it's so ingrained in, in our world. You call the cops when you need help. Yep. And so if you take those extra few minutes and you don't be an asshole about it, yep. it means the world to them. And then they leave happy. You kind of feel a little bit better about yourself maybe because you, you just weren't an asshole to somebody. Yeah. Well, like, I'll give you an example. What was that? Last year, I had ordered a guitar because I'm a guitar player. I bought this guitar online. <laughs> I remember and, this post. <laughs> yeah. And I shipped it home, like, to my home address. And, like, I, sh- you know, it showed delivered. You know, like, I'm tracking it every five minutes. It shows delivered. I'm like, yeah. And I come home, and it's not there. And I'm like... I panic immediately. I'm like, somebody stole my fucking guitar off my porch. Some porch pirate mm-hmm. stole my guitar. So I lose it. And like, you know, I post up the pictures of from the website that I bought it on. I was like, some piece of shit stole my guitar off my porch. Like, and immediately I was calling our sister agency to report it. Cause I knew I couldn't report it to our agency because there's a conflict there. So I'm like, you send an officer, like have them fucking call me right now. <laughs> like I am hot. <laughs> I want to file a report. I got a serial number. Like, it's on. They fucked with the wrong guy. And, like, I filed the report. I make the claim with uh, the company that I bought it from. And, like, two days later, here comes the neighbor from two houses down the street. And he's carrying my guitar box. And I'm like, what the fuck? 
and he comes walking up and he's like, Hey, this is yours. They delivered it to my house. Like, dude, and I had called UPS, like, mm-hmm. Hey, what can Brown do for me today? You can find my <laughs> fucking guitar. Like, cause you guys said you delivered it. I'm like, I need to make, like, I want to talk to the driver that delivered it. And they're like, Oh no, we're sure that he delivered it at the right place Lies. on that date and time. Now he dropped it off two doors down. And at the time the house was vacant and they were in between renters. So the landlord oh. comes over and finds it, but he'd like tucked it. Cause I drove around the neighborhood looking like maybe he delivered it to the wrong house. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just see it on the porch. Well, he had tucked it between the screen door and the front door and I couldn't see it. And he was like, yeah, I think you were looking for like, are you looking for this? And I was like, Oh, holy shit. Like <laughs> yep. I feel like such a heel. So I had to call right. the PD and like, Hey, I need to cancel that uh, theft report that I filed. And they're like, good. We weren't. We were, I was just going to say, like, what were they going to do? Canvas like, the neighborhood for ring doorbells. You know, that's the first thing they're like, well, do you have a doorbell camera? I was like, no, but I will now. And I did. I mean, immediately after that was like, I'm buying fucking 10 of them, you mm-hmm. know, like trying to wire my whole everywhere. house up. Yeah. But isn't that telling, though, that, you know, we, when things like that happen, we go dark. We're like, oh, yeah. somebody just fucked us over. Yep. Somebody's got terrible intentions. Some, you know, rather mm-hmm. than a mistake yep. or, you know, oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you are right well yeah i mean how can you not you right been there done that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i thought i had been wronged oh, on many levels and i was highly hot. offended i do remember oh, you coming in i think the next day with the kind of a sheepish <laughs> look yeah, on like, your face so oh, i found it i found my guitar <laughs> actually somebody found it for me yeah yeah not my finest moment and then everybody you know from the other agency that I reported it to was like, Hey, I heard somebody stole your guitar with air quotes. And like, yeah, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. So, yeah. So I had asked each of you, given the theme of fight like a girl to think about a time. Um, I know Kate has had a few that I, I may have showed up to later or heard about, where you had to whoop some ass by yourself and how like it happens. It mm-hmm. happened. It's happened to all of us. I had one where you showed up. I'll tell my story where you showed okay. up right before me. There was, I can't say the neighborhood cause that'll give it away. There was a domestic dispute going on and I happened to be really close when this call came out. We were on day shifts. This was several years ago and I think it was before I went to DCI. I'm, I'm still drawing a blank. Keep yeah. Going. Anyway, and everybody else was coming because it was like a hot call, like mm-hmm. physically active right now. She's whooping this guy's ass. He's thinking she's going to kill him. And I look on the map like as I'm on the way and everybody else is like on the other side of the counting. Like you might as well have been coming from the fucking moon. Everybody mm-hmm. was so far away. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm dealing Here with this go. by myself. <laughs> So, of course, you know, Roger Ramjet, you know, blue flamer. I go just (laughs) boiling into the house by myself. And this lady was, she had like an electronic dog collar. And she was whipping this, her husband, with like the electrode prods from this collar. Like she had a hold of it by the end. And like I get to him and he looks like he's been shot with buckshot because he's just got these holes all over him. So she's basically stabbing him with the electrodes on this thing. She was throwing, like, she took, like, a Remington off the wall, like a Frederick Remington painting with a big-ass heavy wood frame and threw it like a fucking Frisbee at this guy. Like, completely <laughs> trashed the house. 
So I get in there and she goes back into the bedroom where they've got the gun safe. Like, so I'm following her down the hall, you know, like, ma'am, stop, ma'am, please stop, stop, ma'am. And like trying to, you know, I don't immediately want to put the habeas gravis on this lady. Cause I'm like, well, I got to figure out what the fuck is going on. And the guy's like, you got to stop her. She's going to kill you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> do something. Right. So she pushes past me and gets back out into the living room and she was trying to leave the house. And I was like, you ain't leaving till I figure out what the fuck's going on here. And she goes to step away from me and I grabbed a hold of her and she spun back. Like she cocks back like she's coming from, you know, next week to hit me. Mm-hmm. And I just spun right back into her into an arm bar and then she hit her head. Like as I threw her basically through this arm bar, she hits her head on the wall and like puts a fucking hole in the wall. Like that's how fast and hard that it happened. And I'm putting her in handcuffs and right as I'm putting her in handcuffs, like, <laughs> you know, panting and she's semi unconscious. Kate walks in like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, what did you I'll ex- do? I'll explain in a minute. <laughs> a broken red <laughs> Tell me to get her in the truck. <laughs> like, help me get her in the truck and I'll tell you what's going on. And yeah. That poor guy, man. Yeah. And that was the same one like months before that. Either she had run him over with a car or he had run, like, I think they were pinched in between a car as they were backing out that same house. We'd been there recently, I right think before that. If I remember right, he had her pinched in the car. And That's so right. this was like her retribution. Yeah. And it was like, and she twisted off and I took her, <clears throat> I think I took her to jail that day and she was losing it because, you know, it was, yeah. But I just remember being like, well, here we go, because it just happened so fast mm-hmm. where she spun on me and like cocked back and everything slowed way down. And I'm like, ooh, and that's one of the few times that one of the bullshit academy moves that they teach you in custody and control worked. Yes. You know, and then I like, she was out for about three seconds after she hit that wall and like put her forehead through the drywall. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> this is going to look yeah. Right. Because I had to go get her checked out because I was like, yep. I knocked her out for a minute. So we should probably go get her checked. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's like one of the first first times I remember being like solo out on the street and having somebody twist off and cock off on me and me having to just like figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt bad later because I was like, man, I just like 100%, 120% just spun into that lady and like. I took her out. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes that's just what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a story? Uh, I do. One time, uh, I can't remember how many, it was probably about eight or 10 years ago. I was following a car um, and they were all over the place. So I'm going to pull them over. We're coming up the, well, we're coming up to like a major, major uh, intersection now. But I was fairly new on patrol, and I'm thinking I've got a DUI in front of me, so I'm already, you know, getting just a little bit anxious because yep. that's what you do. Got the camera rolling already for yeah, driving yeah. characteristics. So, and- so anyways, um, we they we get up to where we're going to stop, and um, the driver just uh, immediately pulls over and stops. I hadn't even activated my lights yet, so right. I'm like, what the heck? So I... Then turn on my lights. I call out the wrong location (laughs) because I was nervous because I thought I was going to get a DUI, right? (laughs) Um, So this this was pretty early on in my patrol career. So 
Anyhow, um, a giant guy gets out of this, like unfolds from, it's like a freaking damn <laughs> geo storm. It's like, <laughs> it's this little, so the driver It's like Hightower and Police yes, Academy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this guy just keeps getting out of this car and I'm like, oh God, he's getting out of the passenger side. And then this little guy, like half, I mean, probably about five foot two gets out and starts like screaming, help me, help me, help me. Like, he's going to kill me. <laughs> And I'm like, what in the fuck? And so the guy, the big guy turns, like he's, he's on a mission. He's, it was one of those things where, I mean, it was like a movie. The little guy was moving as fast as he can, screaming like, help me, please, help me, please. And the big guy was just stomping after him. Like, like what's the horror movie where he never. Like Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so he's moving and I yell out something stupid, like. Hey, <laughs> freeze your ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so he looks back at me and just keeps moving. Like he looks back, acknowledges my presence and then keeps doing what he's doing. So right. I tase him and he falls down. And oh, then I'm like, okay, yes, yeah, I remember, remember hearing about this. And, yes. and so I tase him and he falls, the taser worked. And then I'm like, now what? And I'm like, where the fuck is everybody? I called this traffic stop out like uh, three hours ago. Where the hell is everybody? And so I, you know, then my tunnel vision kind of fades away and I, I restart, I start listening to my radio like I should have been. Yep. And people are like, where are you? And right. so I call out my correct location and people are there within moments. Right. But so in the meantime, I have... The little guy who he, he like he doesn't know what to do. He's like standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down. I'm like, sit down <laughs> on your stay, fucking st- hands. <laughs> like, just stay down because I don't know what. I still have the driver in the car. I sure. have I have no idea what's happening. Um, and the big guy, luckily for me, I'm like, just just stay down because he's still attached. I'm like, I can still shock you, <laughs> so just stay down. He's like, okay, okay. And so then everybody shows up and we get him on unhooked and and take him to jail um and and i can't remember exactly what happened somehow they were at the bar and they got into they had words and in the car the big guy was going to murder the little guy and the driver saw me behind him so she pulled over because she thought i could help him right so i kind of did right but yeah in that you i mean Luckily, I had I had tools that worked that it wasn't like a ground scrap. Sure, you know what I mean. Um, but I've had those too. I I can't think of anything specific where you're like, oh shit. But I've I've been there with other people. Oh yeah, and and you feel like when you when you actually contribute to something, you're like, yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah, there's been few and far between. You know, the times where it was just me, um, even in my time at the jail, there was only a, a couple times where it was like something would snap off like all of a sudden and you'd run in there by yourself. And then I told that story with Scott on the last episode where I ran into a, jumped in between two inmates that were fighting with a push, with and over a push broom. And oh, yeah. I jumped yeah. in there by myself. And as soon as I jumped in there, it was like, well, this was fucking stupid. I should have definitely, <laughs> I, I should have definitely <laughs> waited for some more people to get here. Like, and it just, it happens. Um, you know, um, there's been many other times, you know, where we've, we've put the habeas grab us on people 
together as a crew, you know, or, you know, when you're on another call, but trying to think of those, like, I know that I've had other times, I just can't remember them where it was just me. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, some people are, uh, more prone to getting into shit by themselves. For I sure. think that can go back to their verbal skills. I yeah. was just going to say. <laughs> or I, lack of. Or lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> I have also had times where, um, and, and I know for a fact that Lisa has had the same, where things are tense mm-hmm. and then you show up and then they're not tense anymore. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know if it's like having having a female there, yeah. that kind of maternal thing that people calm down, or it's just because... I didn't get to work with Lisa very much on patrol, but the times that I did, you are just so like even keeled and calm and like, you know, it's okay. And so I, people pick up on that. And yep. so you I can't think of a single solitary time that I was ever on something with Lisa or been a part of something with Lisa where it's tense. It's always just kind of like, we're handling business right now. No, we don't like it, but it's going to be okay. Right. We're going to figure it out. Nobody's nobody's on the fight, though. Yeah, and I would say that without a doubt, you two, it's, it is, I, I don't know if it's maternal or just because, just because you're women, but you yeah. do many times I've seen, um, I can speak to Kate and I can think of a few occasions with Lisa, mostly you know, also you're a negotiator. Lisa's a negotiator. Um, but there is a calming effect with both of you when you show up on a call and you're talking to somebody. Um, there's just something, I don't know, that... I think for me, you know, I like you said, Kate, I don't remember working specific calls with you because we didn't work together yeah. very often. Um, but, and I, and I think you, even out in, in civilian world you put this out there that when you're talking and you're listening, you're listening to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me that, that was a, a technique that I, I started to learn in dispatch, you know, when I was, you know, years, probably over oh, 20 yeah. years ago, working as a dispatcher dispatch and trying to calm people down when they're not physically in front of you. Yeah. And really it was just to ask questions to, to, get some sort of understanding about what was going on. And I think when you start asking those types of questions um, where you, where people read that as this person's trying to understand me and understand why I did something, Mm -hmm. there is that calming effect, you know, and you have that just in your, in your regular life anyway. I'm sure you bring that out on the street, you know, absolutely. Like I would feel comfortable talking to you. Well, yeah, I don't, I, th- I think that's probably a scare. I don't think when I very first started, it, it's something that has evolved just in time and maturity, you know. I think that um, chip on my shoulder kind of fell away where I realized that you can be a female in this field mm-hmm. and you're not competing with all the other girls. Like you, they are your closest, can be your closest allies. And, and I think... Um, you know, in I've been around long enough that that I can I, I have found there's girls in this field where I, I trust them and I know I can rely on them and and I hope that they can trust me in return. And then there's girls that haven't quite evolved out of that like chip on their shoulder. Yep. I'm competitive. I have to prove that I'm one of the guys. And and I just 
you know, you're not my enemy, but I don't have time for you. I don't, yeah. I, I, I will help you if you need help, but I'm not about that. Yep. And, and as soon as, as soon as I realized that I'm not one of the guys, I, that is when things really clicked for me because I would think that all, that's all I wanted was to just be like, I just want to be a part of this group. Yep. And as soon as I realized, like, you're never, you're not a guy, so you're not going to be one of the guys. Right. They can, I, I feel like I can be respected yeah. and like we're, we can be friends, but um, I don't have the same kind of skills that you guys do. Sure. But I bring my own skill set that you don't have yeah. to the game. Yeah. There's definitely, you know, there can be times where it's very helpful to have female deputies or officers on a call because you catch more flies with honey, right? Mm -hmm. There's definitely times um, where that turns around really quick. Um, I know there's there's two Kates. There's yep. Yep. Kate that's I've here today. Yep. <laughs> there's Kate that's here today, and there's another Kate that works for another agency. I so badly wanted to see Oh, I thought you were talking about a second side of this Kate. No, oh, right. no, I've oh. seen that too. And I'm like, that's I've amazing, that and I so badly want to see it. And I've you, heard stories. You know, you, you get the, the drunk asshole, and like, hey, what's up? What's up, girlfriend? You know, yeah. and that usually never goes well for them. So this story is very much in line with that. The other Kate, like, we're wrestling with a drunk chick outside the bar one night in their jurisdiction, and I ran over there to help. And this chick's crazy, and she's high, Oh, and I remember that. We get her up, like <laughs> you know, it's like me and her wrestling. There's another guy that's like standing on her ankles because I I pull up and I look across the parking lot and I see this one cop standing there and he's just standing there with his hands on his hips and I'm like, oh, everything looks okay. So I'm like slow rolling, right, walking across the parking lot and I come around the car and here's the other Kate like <laughs> fighting with this chick as he's like standing on her to hold part of her down and I couldn't see that like just the angle. So I'm like, oh shit! So I run over there. And we get this chick wrapped up, and she's like Gumby. She's all over the place. We finally get her in handcuffs and stand her up. She's like, you know, got the tweaker jaw. Yeah. And she looks at Kate. She's like, what's up, baby girl? And I was like, oh, no. I don't think so. You said it. I was like, I'm going to let you handle this. But the look on her face was like, you know, because it was like cordial professional. Like, we're just trying to get this lady in handcuffs and figure out what the hell is going on. But that was like, that was the switch. And it was like, Nope. Like, Not I'll today. find a, a reason to take you to jail because you ran your mouth like an asshole. Yep. Like, yeah. I so. got to see her, um, the other Kate, the other agency Kate. Um, we were out on a, a traffic stop where they had found dope in the car. And all of the people that had been in there were outside while uh, she was running her, her dog. Yeah. And um, one of the guys asked about what was going to happen with the car. And it had been that Kate's stop. Um, and... One of my coworkers in Brown said, well, go talk to that lady cop over there. And she heard it. And I thought her head was going to explode. She was so angry that she was called lady cop right. rather mm -hmm. than just that cop. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to see her get super angry. And that would be a terrifying yeah. thing to be on the yeah. receiving end of, you know. Yeah. That's, I always, I mean... She's badass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that for girl. sure. I definitely, yes. I want to get her on the show. What up, at, what up, Kate? Point. Yeah. Hi, Kate. <laughs> yes, if you're listening, which I don't it's know. It's your mini fan club. <laughs> <laughs> but I, for years, I mean, anytime I refer to you guys when we're talking to somebody on the street, you are my partner. Or 
when Kate was a corporal, it was corporal, corporal or sergeant. Like you guys are my partner. You are my peer. You are my equal. I do not ever say anything that's going to like downgrade you in any sort of way because you guys are equal and or superior to me. You know, know? I, in our agency, I've never felt from any of our coworkers, I've never felt belittled or less than, um, there's a, there's a handful of people from other departments, Mm -hmm. but fortunately I don't work with you and I don't have time for you. So like, bye. There's, um, I had asked another, I'm going to do, end up doing several of these, you know, fight like a girl episodes with as many female officers and deputies that I can get to come on and talk to me. And I was chatting with a detective from the PD about coming on the show. And she was like, why? And I said, because you don't like, you may not realize it, but you had to prove yourself either to yourself or to other people, whether you wanted to or not just because you were a woman. And now like you're probably at a point where you don't care. Mm -hmm. Like you can do the job just as well as I can, as well as anybody else or better. Or better. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, just touching on what Kate said earlier, I very vividly remember exactly where I was sitting, where I was doored up with this other agency's officer. When what, what she told me hit me like a ton of bricks that just like what Kate said, um, I am a woman and I'm doing this job. I don't have, I don't want to be one of the guys. I don't have to be one of the guys. I can be valued for what I bring to the table because it's different from what, what, you know, the other men bring. Um, And for some reason it just struck a chord with me that day. And then from that day on, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to do me. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. Um, And if we develop a friendship through working with each other, great. If not, then I'm just here to earn a paycheck and do right. the job the best that I can. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's such a game changer once you have that realization. Yeah, um, for sure. But I mean, it was so, it was so big for me that I remember where I was sitting when that happened, yep. you know, mm-hmm. that it, it, it changed so much that, like I said, I'm, I'm just going to do me. That's all. That's all I can do. I can't, I, th- I feel like I would be giving uh, doing a disservice if I was trying to be one of them and, Absolutely. and try and bring those those same traits that, you know, uh, you guys, you were talking about use of force. I, I've never been on a one-on-one, ever. Yeah. The only time that it came close was at the jail, and um, I there were a couple, couple people fighting in a pod, and I was the first one there. And as soon as I got in the door and I yelled at them, they stopped because I don't yell. Right. And it was, I think it was such a shock to them um, that they stopped. And by that point, you know, other people are starting to show up. But, um, you know, even on the street, I, you know, the crew that I went to um, after I was done with FTO was very alpha, very large. Oh, yeah. Very, um, yeah. yeah. It was like the meat team. (laughs) It was. (laughs) Um, And and not to say that I needed you on that (laughs) ship so bad. But I, you know, it's funny. We would walk in if we were going to go grab like dinner or something, you know, before shift. Um, I would, I'd look at the people I'm walking into the restaurant with and they're all very tall, very built. They love the gym. They, you know, they're super, they're just, what you think a typical, like, you know, yeah. big officer should look like. And, um, you know, and I'm not small by any means. I'm five nine, but I, I do remember walking in and feeling sort of dwarfed at this right. and then getting, and like I said, it, 
it was never anything that was directed outside. It was always inwardly, but I did feel the need that I was going to have to prove myself to them that as a woman, if something kicked off, I was going to be okay. Right. Yeah. And um, it took over a year for me to be in my first use of force hands-on with one of the guys on the crew. And um, at the time it was just me and one other guy. And you know, this, we had rolled up to the citizen dispute. It was, there was some, some argument between a couple and the guy had come outside of his trailer and was just pacing back and forth on the walkway. And we had like been a, out there. Like a caged wildcat. Kind of, We've but he was so it. small. <laughs> he, was, he was less than intimidating, but, uh, you know, just pacing. And, um, you know, my partner cut off, if he wanted to try and go back into the house, cut off that, that access. Sure. And I cut off the access for him to go towards his vehicle. And at one point, he's he's pacing towards my partner and he started to try and get in the house. And of course we don't know what's in the house. You right. know, we've got two women that are in there that are screaming at us. Um, and so my partner uh, takes him to the ground. And so I immediately like in the jail, you just find something to hang on to. Yeah. And so I, you know, I've, I've crossed his legs. I've got, you know, I've got his legs covered. Um, and what was really cool about that moment was rather than us, trying to force something mm -hmm. i very vividly remember him saying we're just going to stay here until he tires out right and this is not my partner is not a small guy either you know he lifts all the time he right. is physically intimidating um and that was rather than a of i don't know like a punch or you know some sort of yeah um, you're just controlling yeah. yeah and that's all it was which um i would like this is this is all right. I can handle this. Mm -hmm. And, um, we did all right. In fact, our, our sergeant rolled up and just stood there. He's like, looks like you got it under control. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of, <laughs> you know, and at the time, you know, he had tired out and we got him in cuffs and got him in the truck. And, um, but that after that, I think there was so much relief for me knowing that, okay, the first one is out of the way. You popped your cherry. I did. Yep. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and like, you know, nobody got hurt and, you know, and I, there was just so much relief. And I remember my sergeant rolling up and doorn up with me after that. And uh, he's like, so, and he, and I talked to him about my concerns. He's like, so how do you feel? And I'm like, some relief. I'm glad it's over. Sure. Um, and then my, the partner rolled up that, you know, we'd gotten into the, the use of force with. And, um, and part of it, I think, was something that he was told to say to me because my sergeant knew that it was something that bothered me. But sure. we talked about it. And we, and we kind of sat there and roundtabled it a little bit and, and figured out what we could have done better, what we liked, what worked, what didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and from then on, I was like, okay, I can handle this. Yeah, you're, you know? you're part of the team now. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, I think... Lisa, they so needed you on that. Oh, God, they, yes. They needed some estrogen to just balance their egos on that shift. In the, you know what's funny is they're probably all going to listen to this and I they'll know. be nodding like, yeah. yep, yeah, yeah, you're right. Gosh, but, you know, looking back now, there's so many things I learned from them, you know, and and, and there's one that has said to me um, that he has learned so many things from me, which I think is oh, just nice. makes me smile. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm right. good for something, you know, to. Isn't it funny when, when people that you would never expect to say anything nice to you ever yeah. and they <laughs> pop off and say something, you're like, okay. Yeah. And now I'm right. I'm still riding that <laughs> yeah. high, you know, like four years later. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that's, we, we joke all the time because Lisa's a negotiator on SRT and 
I'm one of the entry guys and <laughs> never fails. Never like fails. if Lisa winds up doing negotiations that one of either me or my team leader will end up talking the guy out in person because mm-hmm. it'll just like, it'll drag on and drag on and drag on. And it just happened a couple months ago where it was like, and the problem was that and the guy, so well. the guy couldn't hear us. Like, well, we couldn't hear oh, him. I heard about this. So one. he's inside mm-hmm. the house. Like we're yelling at him over the loudspeaker because his cell phone dies. So we're yelling at him over the loudspeaker. And he's like, communicating through the light switch. He's flicking the light. It's one yeah. of these like, <laughs> oh my God. And of course it's December. It's freezing cold. Like I went and bought new boots after that call out because my feet got so fucking cold that I was like, that's never going to happen again. And we were out there for five or six hours and you had negotiated with him at one point. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, that was Joe. Oh, okay. Well, that was, it's still yeah, the that was joke. Joe's first actually. Yeah. And then he went into the, the bear cat, I think, and did the PA thing. Yeah. Um, so, but I, but yeah, I was secondary on that yeah. and, and helping him through that. So finally, I just, me and another guy got sick of not really, because we're like, we he's saying something, but we can't hear it. And I'm like, fuck this. So we just like walked up to the corner of the house where I knew that we had hard cover. And I'm like, hey, can you hear me? Yeah. What's going on? I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's true. And he's like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? Because we're like, I dealt yeah, with him when this I. This is one that's <laughs> yeah, frequent flyer. Frequent flyer. Yeah. I dealt with him when First I worked when I worked dope <laughs> and he knew who I was and I was like, are you going to come out? And he's like, yeah, the door's locked from the outside. I'm like, well, no shit. Go to the other door. <laughs> oh, okay. So he comes around the other side of the house and we're done. It was like five hours when we could have just walked up to the, to the door and just mm-hmm. yelled through. And oh man, that's the well, way it goes. To be fair though, we were on the phone with him, but yeah. that was the nightmare of, dealing with a cell phone service provider who yeah. um, I'm pretty sure the LT or at, well, it was under sheriff. I still call him LT. The under sheriff said, I think we're dealing with the C team, you know, with yeah, regards to like, the subscriber and well, they shut that, down his phone and that was our only contact with them. So yeah. they shut down the entire phone. And then that's when we transitioned to using the PA. And then that was just a joke. Yeah. So. It was that no man's land between Christmas and new year's when yep. everybody was probably on vacation and, during mm-hmm. COVID and everything else. And it was the middle of the night. Right. Like, yeah, that was a fun one. But mm-hmm. it was cold. And, but yeah. I was, I say that I feel bad when I do, because at least I was in, in a vehicle. That yeah. And there's, there's been outside. several yeah. other times where it's like, cause I know you're a good negotiator, but you just kind of get robbed of it because the way that the circumstance technically just works out that we end up talking about in person. Right. So. And I don't, you know, it, it took a minute phrase that it took a while um before i realized you know if we all go home at the end of the day with nobody getting hurt yep. including the person that we're negotiating with then we won yeah um had you heard what he was like yeah. um for the hours the first few hours we were on the phone with him he had transitioned from being super hyped up gonna shoot everybody you know and at least by the time that you had an opportunity to talk to him he had calmed down enough that he could have a, a normal voiced conversation and sure. actually start to see some logic. It wasn't there in the beginning. And I don't think it, I, I don't think it would have worked out in, in that favor, but who knows? Right. You know? Um, but I, I had to tell Joe that that was his first, uh, negotiation first yeah. time on primary. And he just felt like he did a, a terrible job. Nah. He felt like he wasn't getting anywhere. Well, because when we, when I got up to the, 
you know, I disagree because when I got up to the door and was talking with the guy, he's like, where's Joe? Yep. I want to, I want to talk to Joe. Is Joe going to be there? I'm like, Joe's going to be there. Like he's the one talking to you through the speaker on the truck. But like, those are going to be things that you right. learn, you know, after some time doing the job. Mm-hmm. It, it was really hard. For, my very first negotiation was almost seven hours long oh, in Lord. a different town. Right. And Oh, God. That oh, one was I awful. remember yeah, hearing that about that pleasant. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was awful. And just feeling, and it was the same thing. You know, it was actually the gas rounds that were shot in that got him to come out. Yeah. Um, and feeling like a failure, you know, leaving that. All and, 46 of them. Or was there more 37, than 37, I think. Because I remember okay. thinking, that's a great number. I love it. Just remember <laughs> that we shot enough We shot enough fucking gas into that house that it was coming out the chimney. Yeah. Yep. And, and I remember being up. like, there is no way that they're going to sit in there and just boil. And the chick, oh, I, I'm going to have to get somebody, the guy that this happened with, to come tell the story. But she wouldn't come out because she was concerned about the her cat. cat. Yep. She oh. had this fucking cat. She's like, they're gonna, don't, don't let my cat go. So she, we finally get her to come out with the cat. And she's like, we got to put her in handcuffs, right? So she's like, the cat is having none of this. And it's losing its fucking mind. And it's like tearing this girl to ribbons. And she's like hanging on to it. So finally, the guy that I'm with, as we're like getting a hold of her, trying to cover the house, because the dude still hasn't come out yet. She's like kind of, you know, kind of an involved party. She's not necessarily a hostage. Like, we weren't really sure. So this guy grabs this cat by the back of the neck and just squeezes and its fucking eyes bug out. And he's like, there, I got your fucking cat. Just be done. For God's sake. He's like, there, we'll take care of your cat. We'll make sure it gets somewhere safe. And so right after that, like we get her passed off. And so he's still got the cat and the dude comes out of the house. So he drops the cat and where does it go? It runs right back into the house. We're like, yeah, well, just not our problem anymore. But yeah, just the things that happen. Mm -hmm. So I do a thing on the show called Sage Advice. So from your perspectives and experience, like Sage Advice that you would give to someone who's looking at coming into law enforcement or is brand new, like just started, you know, what are some things that you would tell that person? We'll start, Kate, you can start. Uh. You know, something that that rings real true to me anyways, I, I mentioned it before, just don't treat people like they're people and try to remember that, yeah, this is Tuesday afternoon for you, but this is the worst day of their life or they've just witnessed or experienced something that normal people don't, don't usually see. I say normal people, sure. but you know what I mean. Um, so just try to keep that in check and... and um, check your ego at the door because this is not about you. It is not about you. You are, you have gotten yourself into a position where you have sworn to help other people. And so, yeah, I mean, you need to, we all have, um, you have to have an air of confidence about, about yourself or no one's going to want to trust you or respect you enough to, to want to open up to you and, and, you know, for you to be able to do your job, but that's, that's not important. Um, and also we, we talked about it at length earlier. Don't forget to take care of yourself. Do what you need to do. Get your, get sleep, um, yes. proper nutrition. That's real. That's a, it's real easy to just get your dinner from mini mart a lot of times. <laughs> um, and, and 
find those people that you can trust that you can dump on sometimes. Um, those, those are the things that have helped me get to where I'm at. Right. Lisa? Well, true to my <laughs> neurotic type <laughs> A, I made a list. <laughs> as soon as I was... We love I, a I list. I didn't want to... I know, I know the way that Lisa's brain works, and I know that I didn't want to spring questions on her with stuff like this that you know people are going to listen to and hopefully take to heart. So I gave Lisa the time to prep for this. So I, I gave her some questions some yesterday when we were at the office. Like, here's some of the questions I'm going to ask you, but specifically about, you know, with the sage advice. Like, and in line with that, and I'll come back to you, advice that you would specifically give to another female that's starting out in law enforcement. So think about that. God damn it, Drew. Just sprung that I one did. on. Okay. I did. We'll go back to the Shoot first. from the hip. Um, the first one I typed out was, you can be kind and be fair. Like, that was the one thing. For some reason, I got the impression when I was going through FTO at the detention center that um, you had to be stern and look mean and to mm-hmm. get somebody to do what you wanted them to do, and it doesn't have to be that way. Yep. Um, so you can be kind. You can be firm. Um, at the same time and I think when you respect somebody else they in turn respect you and you can get you know what you need done done yeah the other thing I mentioned um, is that most people just want to be heard and understood Um, at least that was my um, experience when I was on patrol or even at the jail you know you, you talk about dealing with people on their worst days like you work in the jail and you're dealing with people that are having their worst day after day after day after day because they're stuck, you know, incarcerated. Um, A lot of the arguments that happened or the frustration or the depression that happened, I felt that um, I was most helpful when I listened and when I asked questions that were clarifying so that they actually felt heard. Sure. Um, And that seemed to be um, a huge step in getting them to calm down and their anxiety to lessen a little bit. Um, and again, just, you know, this is just something I learned recently, but to ask them, do you want solutions or do you want to feel heard yep. or, you know, however you want to phrase it's it. The same thing that I do at home. Right. You know, yeah. like, um, and a lot of people, they just pick that they want to be heard and they want to vent. And so, and then the last thing, this is the, the stupidest thing, but man, it, I remember just, my mind just going circular over and over again. Um, I was on patrol. I was dealing with this woman who had a firearm stolen. She had found it posted on like eBay or Craigslist, reached out to the person, said, hey, I'd like to buy this gun and wanted advice on, should I go and get it? Should I, you know, what if, you know, all of this stuff. And so I called (laughs) and I was like, what do I do? Like, I don't want her to go in and like, if she finds her gun, great, you know, but I don't want her to go into a situation that's, you know, scary or, you know, possibly violent. Sure. Um, and he said, well, tell her not to go, go interview the guy, see if he'll admit to you. I'm like, well, what if he doesn't tell me the truth? He's like, it doesn't matter. Lisa, you locked him into a story. Yep. That is the biggest thing. Yep. You don't always have to elicit the truth. Just lock them into a story. Because what have you? What have I told you a thousand times since you came to investigations? The only thing better than so, a confession is a bad lie. It's a bad lie. Yep. And so that has, for some reason, that has sat with me mm-hmm. for. It's probably been 
five years now that it was such a simple thing for him to say, but it really kept my brain from just going over and over and over again. What if they don't, what if they don't? Sure. And that saved me a lot of heartache and frustration and stress. Yep. So that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> those are my three. I don't think that's stupid at all. I think, I think that's, that's very yep. good advice for people to re- to realize we are, you people are going to lie to you oh, all day, all every day, day, every day. But that's yep. okay. I mean, you tell me your story. Right. That's fine. I love when people, what, I love being able to disprove a lie. Once yeah. I got into, that's one reason why I got hooked on investigations so quickly when I went up to, I'm sorry to just jump in in the middle of no, it's sage advice, but going to, you know, working drug investigations and knowing that I, you know, had all this evidence on a person to prove that they had, you know, been involved in a drug conspiracy and they had sold drugs and just been involved in all sorts of nasty shit. Going in there and letting them lie to you and let them lie to you and then be like, I know you're lying because X, Y, Z, you know, all the way back to A. And that aha moment of working a case and finding Matt, like, I've got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. No matter what, like, you can lie all you want. I've fucking got you. And I love that. That's that's what keeps me coming back and keeps me working cases. So, like, don't give up. It doesn't matter if they lie. I, I had a case that I worked for a year where I went in and sat down with this guy that had manufactured child porn and sexually assaulted a young girl. I was like, listen, man. You can lie to me all you want. It doesn't matter. I didn't come here to argue with you. The the case, is, it stands on its own. Like, if you want to tell me the truth, I'll sit and listen to that. But if you lie to me, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out and we're done. And then you can fight it in court and we'll go from there. I don't care. You're, you're still going to look like a dirtbag. But mm-hmm. are you an honest dirtbag or somebody who's just going to lie about everything? I can absolutely, mm-hmm. without a doubt, prove that you did. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he admitted to it right away. And I was like, man, fuck, I was really hoping for some back and forth. Like I planned ahead. I had a three ring binder of notes. Like I was ready to go. But sometimes that's all it takes for them to be like, okay, you got me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. People don't like being called liars, even if they are. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your sage advice? Uh, Well, I, I think I talked about it a little bit earlier. As soon as, so this is not just in this career, but just in life, um, we're our our own worst critics. Yeah. And, and so I think the moment, Lisa said it earlier too, the moment that you realize I'm me, I can only be me. Sure. If I try and I, I cannot be one of the guys. Yep. So the moment I let that go and realized I'm not one of the guys, I can't. I can do a lot of things, you know, because it's a man's world. Um, I have my own strengths that I can bring to this. And as soon as you start working on, when you realize that, um, so many other things just start falling into place for you. Um, And then in return, you start to see the mutual respect build. Because it it is as plain as day, people, people can pick it up. You've got a chip on your shoulder, you're, you're fake, um, you're trying too hard. People pick up on those things mm-hmm. and they don't respect you. Yep. But the moment that you're just true to yourself and you do, you're doing the best that you can, that's when you, that's when you build the respect and you build 
a, a strong team and you can, you can do this thing together. Sure. I would agree with that, mm-hmm. that it tends to be, and I've seen that transition in other female officers and deputies, you know, when they come in and they, it takes time. They, they are one way. And then within a matter of time, they've changed to something that's more natural or it goes the other way. You know, they, they come in and they realize that they're not, they're not tough enough or they're not, they're not acting appropriately in a way that they can control a situation and they go the other way. I've seen that sometimes it goes too far Yeah, and it just, yeah, I've seen both sides. Yeah. Work within your capabilities. Don't go in there and be the problem starter. Sure. Because we've all seen that. Um, But uh, you know, any, anybody, whether you're a man or a woman, you got to get your feet under you. Yep. Um, And then the other thing is realize that the other women that are in this field are not your competitors. Yep. We're he, we're you all doing the same <laughs> job. Sorry. Erase that. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. <laughs> okay. And I think, I think Lisa. that's, yeah. It, it's true though. Like, but I never had that. I think coming in, I, I, I didn't think I was lucky in the beginning. When I first applied, I was 29. So I was quite a bit older than the folks that are coming in at 21 and 22. Sure. Um, and I remember saying to the background officer or the investigator doing my background um, that I felt uncomfortable about that. And he's like, well, Lisa, that's what we like. It means you have life experience. Sure. Mm-hmm. So by the time I came in, I had a little bit of life behind me. Um, I didn't see women as competition. Um, and in fact, there were a number of women that I worked with that I was, um, super proud to be working with, you know, they're badass on their own. And, um, and I, and in fact, I even, I would go so far as to reach out to them and and tell them exactly why, um, I respect them. And, um, so just like you said, it's not a competition. We're not the enemy. Um, yeah. Come in and do your job. And that's all That's all anybody wants anybody to do when you work with somebody. Just do yep. your job, you know? I would say, for me, it was a huge adjustment because I came straight from the military. I was in a combat arms unit. I just got back from, a, from 14 months in Iraq. And coming to work in a new environment that's still kind of paramilitary, um, like our leadership was mm, still very yeah, much, very you know, much strict so. and militaristic. You yeah. Know? And I was working with a women on my crew. I think there was three of you at the time. It would have been uh, you, I think. Yep. I was trying to, yep. If I remember right. And sounds, then. Sounds about right. Yeah. And then dealing with female inmates, you know, and I was super like, I was such an asshole. <laughs> to all those female inmates for probably like the first year. You were too. Because they hated it was, your guts. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, <laughs> because it was like, I'm not taking any fucking chances, you know, on getting rung up on a complaint that, you know, I said or did something inappropriate with a female inmate. Like, so I'm just going to treat them all like shit <laughs> because I'm not, yeah. I'm not taking the chance. Um, but the biggest adjustment beca- came shortly after that, that, we had a female corporal move to our crew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she looked out for me on a couple instances uh, that just, you know, I was not used to having a female supervisor. I was not used to interacting with, with women and, you know, especially the conversations that we were having. That, oh, you know, my God. We were, yeah. I was like, 
uh, like I'm just, my first couple months was like, I'm just going to shut the fuck up and sit over here in the corner and just like, what is wrong with these women and these people? Like they're worse than the inmates, you uh, know? Yeah. <laughs> and That's it's just, thing. we all have freaking toilet humor. We sure. all have, you, you have to, to be in and this I, line of work. I remember one time that I barked at you and <laughs> because you guys like, Hey, rookie, go, you know, do something. And I was like, you bitches don't sign my paycheck. Oh. <laughs> like, and I, can't remember, I can't remember what it was, but you guys were doing something. And I was like, fuck you, do it yourself. <laughs> and both of you, like, and they were just shocked. Like, what? Yeah. It's like, no. And that was like the first that. time that I, you know, kind of stood up for myself when I got there. And it was specifically to the you know, two senior deputy females on my crew. And like shortly after that was, you know what? I don't, I know for a fact, I didn't ever call you a rookie. I do know what I called you, but I don't know if you want me to say it. Mm. It was your nickname that I called you all the time. Yeah. And I won't say it, (laughs) but (laughs) he's like, I I remember, but it was that (laughs) there was a couple instances like that up there. And shortly after that, like, because everybody socialized together at that point on the crew, like, oh yeah, they'd go we out for all, drinks. Like, like we people, didn't have kids. Yeah, we well, all, some people had yeah. kids, and like, you'd get invited to their birthday parties, and we'd go out to karaoke and go drinking and have barbecues and stuff like that. And very shortly after that was when it was like, hey, we're having a barbecue. Do you want to come? And I was like, me? Uh, me? Are you guys talking to me? And I was like, allowed in to be a part of the team at that point. And I was like, oh well. Okay. And, but there was a couple times that one instance in particular where I remember I was, I just got mad mm-hmm. about what I can't even remember what you guys were like telling me to do or asking me to do or something. And I was like, <laughs> I just snapped off. I was like, you bitches don't own me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that. So, yeah. Drew, I feel if without going too deeply into like we watched each other grow up. You yeah, I mean? very much so. And very so, much so. Um, because we were both so young yeah. when we started. I started at twenty two. I was like twenty one. A month after my twenty second birthday. Yeah. And and so I think in that period, you know, we you're figuring your yourself out just sure. the same as everybody else was. And I think, yeah, you were just kind of towing the line and figuring out what you are. Because I remember there was a somebody else on the crew that just ate your lunch every day. Yep. I'm not going to speak ill of him but yep. i i i remember that watching that he was ruthless he oh, really yeah. was um and that's that's when the our female corporal she looked out for me because yeah. he filed a bullshit complaint against me yeah i don't want to talk ill about him either no, but yeah I, th- I think that it it speaks to her leadership quality that she didn't know me she didn't owe me shit no, but she, she had just saw come what to was that bullshit crew. and yep. she was like, no. And so she got wind of what was going down with this bullshit complaint that got filed to the lieutenant. And she cornered me and was like, hey, I need to talk to you about this. Like, it's coming. Be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I know that it's bullshit and that that didn't happen. Um, and I was like, well, you got my vote. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's going out on a limb to tell me something that I'm not even supposed to know about yet. So that blew me away. And then ever since then, we've been... I, I got her husband hired with the department and basically introduced them because he came to our crew yeah. for a time on training. Yeah. And now they're married and I'm going to get them on the show. There's That'd so many people that I'm like, I was going to say that bring that them all in. Yeah. yeah. 
but yeah, that was, I had a rough period there for my first couple months and was like, do I really want to do this? Yeah. Just because of the way that I was getting treated by my training officer at the time. Wow. That's neither here nor there. I mean, yeah. we've, we've moved on. What doesn't kill us make us stronger, right? Oh yeah. Had all changed yeah. years later. Yeah. You know, but I got to, me, I got to be mean to the rookies. <laughs> well, you and me, we got to be, I feel like we worked at the jail more than we did anywhere else. Because you were on mm. my team for a while on patrol, but then you went... For a couple years, yeah. Yeah, but then you went... Yeah. Yeah. And then... I'll bleep it out. Okay. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then... Uh, but I was then on... Then you went out to the street. But I feel like... How how many years were we together on patrol? It seems like we were together up at the jail for a longer period of time. Or maybe it was about the same. Because I got out on patrol and I was on... Or maybe it's just because we worked so closely yeah. at the jail. That probably we could worked be a, it. like four years together on patrol. Really? Yeah, just maybe it's because we were like in each other's face that yeah. it seems like it was. Remember <laughs> the time? <laughs> Do you remember the time that guy, was poor guy, kept buzzing? It was like Saturday, and we were all just like ugh, not wanting to be there. And this poor guy kept buzzing the tower because he needed to go to nursing for his toe. No, you will remember as I. <laughs> So he's like, I got, I got to go see my, my toe. And he was in the lockdown pod. And finally the tower operator was like, can someone please run this dude to nursing? He says his toe hurts. So I go over to the door and call him down. And this poor guy is like gimping down the stairs. And it appears as though he is balancing something on his big toe. I don't remember this. Yeah. And he makes it down to the floor. And what is being balanced is his toenail. It had been ripped oh, backwards yes. all the way from like to the quick. So his <laughs> almost his entire toenail was yes. hanging on by a thread. And I was like, Drew, Drew, get over here. <laughs> I do remember this. And so Drew comes running over, not knowing that. I just can't. I just can't. This poor guy. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't do this. So Drew, I don't remember how you hobbled that poor guy up to the nurse to have his toe yeah. attended to. I just remember being like, I'm not going to look at it either because that's gross. No, yeah, that was. That I do was, remember that one. Yep. I was like dry heaving in the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it. I forgot about that. You got to so, take this one. You got to do this one. There's so many stories like that. Like. That I have forgot. Oh, yeah. You know, over oh, they the all years. run together. Yeah. We had one, this dude, like, PD brought him in and dropped him off. And he was, like, propped up in the corner, you know, in intake. And, like, <laughs> anyone who knows, shit, I'm going to end up bleeping his name out. But until he could come on and tell the story for himself. Mm -hmm. And there was another guy that doesn't work for us anymore. He was there. And this guy was like propped up in the corner, but he's throwing up on himself as he's like kind of passed out. So we opened the door to go in there to like check and make sure he's not aspirating, you know. And me and were like, oh God, oh, I'm going to do it too. So the third guy was like, no, man, it's fine. I got it. Cause they're like, you know, I am guts. So he's over there with a mop. Like the guy's like propped up in the corner. He's like mopping him off with a wet mop. I'm like, Oh, it was no. so bad. No. So bad. I'm like, I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, um, so the gear locker question. I had mm. proposed that. I talked to everybody that comes on the show to 
one piece of gear that is like the game changer that has completely changed the way that you operate and your comfort level or something that you use every day that's indisposable. So go ahead, Kate. My flashlight. Yes. Yep. I never not have a flashlight. And yes. as a matter of fact, when I'm on night shift, I have three. I, I have my little small one that's on my belt all mm-hmm. the time, charged up, ready to go. And then when, particularly on nights, I have two of the big stream lights. Okay. One on the charger, one on my belt. Did you ever? At all times. Did you ever get a weapon light and a holster? Uh, I have a weapon light. I've never bought the holster shame, for shame, it. Shame. I know. Well, I'm a cheap That's, ass. Well, true. you know, I'm the tactical guy. So you I'm are. You like, are the gear whore. If you don't have a weapon light, you're I, not maximizing your potential. I know. Well, I have <laughs> the weapon light. Yes. I just don't have the holster for it. Yeah. I'll, you know, to try and find a holster that'll match your weapon and the light you bought is a nightmare. I finally had to ask somebody else to do it for me because yeah. I just got so irritated at what. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, screw this. The easiest so way yeah, to do like, it is to just call. I mean, if you're looking at Safari Land, because in my I, opinion. I don't want to call anyone anymore. Well, I just, just want to order it without <laughs> talking to in anybody. My, <laughs> in my opinion, the easiest way to do it, and that I've done in the past, like they have great customer service. Just call them and be like, hey, here's what I need. Here's the finish that I need. Here's the gun, gun light combo, and they'll hook you up. And then they'll, you know, walk you through. Do you want high ride, low ride? Because that's another thing that I don't have to deal with as a man. Like, I can wear a low ride or, well, not necessarily low ride, but a high ride, mid ride holster. And, you know, I don't have hips. Yeah. You know, I'm not a woman. I'm not. That's the other thing that I've, I've always, like, you guys got to take your duty belt off if you're going to take a pee. Like, you know, man. it's just, I have done it my whole life, Drew. Yeah. I've always had to pull my pants down to pee. Well, but so. I mean, still, like, it's, you know, when you're wearing so much extra gear, like, it's just more shit that's, like, in your way. And I, just, I feel for you guys because. I think the only time that I've regretted being a woman in that, in that regard is when I have to pee so bad that I can't get anything off quick enough. Yes. And I'm just like. This would be so much easier if I was a man. Only time. Oh my God. I'm going to cry laughing. Okay. So I, you remember forever ago under the old sheriff when we would have to go on the far west patrols? Yes. So I loved going out there and doing that where you're out in the sticks for the all the entirety of the day. Yes. Six, 70 miles from town. Yes. And so I loved doing that. But I would come. I would usually only make it till about three o'clock because I'd have to come in and use the bathroom. And everybody's like, "Why don't you just pee out there?" I'm like, "Because I am not going to be the out there next to a an, a a marked vehicle with my ass hanging out See? and have that's going to be the time that somebody walks by or drives by." See, you had a shitty FTO then because they didn't plan the route. If you plan the route the correct way. See, I never had an FTO. It was just like, go go f- drive out there. Go yeah. figure it out. Well, I went out there, Far West Patrol, with one of my training officers one day, and he taught me the route that you need to take to go out. You take the road, basically, that loops around to the north, so about the time after lunch in the afternoon, you're at the rest stop on the highway. That is genius. You stop there, <laughs> and there's the little like family restroom with the lockable door, uh-huh. and you're good to go. Yeah, that was another yeah. hard lesson that I learned very early on is I will not use public bathrooms that have that you can't lock the door to. So yeah. like if there's more if you know it's like a big restroom with all the stalls, I won't use that. Yeah. 
because you have and to you take have your to, belt off and you're in a vulnerable position. Sure. If somebody was paying attention, you're fucked. Right. You have to tactically plan your pauses. Right. Yeah. 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 I am pretty sure that my entire uh, patrol life, I was slightly dehydrated. Yeah. The majority <laughs> sure. of my shit. For sure. 100%. I, I purposely didn't drink, so yeah. I wouldn't have to go. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So See, I'm sure are, my kidneys are shot. These oh, are yeah. things that I like. I'm a man. The world is my urinal, you know, <laughs> like yeah. especially on night shift. Like it didn't matter during on day shifts. It's a little different, but on night shift, like I can pull over and turn on my rears and get out, open my doors on the yeah, passenger so side. I don't and have those same opportunities go pee. in so, life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then let's talk distractions. So we talked a bit about it and having things outside of law enforcement that, you know, get your mind off the things that we see and do you're Kate's so busy with her kids mm-hmm. chasing kids around at her house that that keeps her more than distracted. I'm sure, but there's gotta be yeah. hobbies. You know, I am in that season of life where my kids are little. So yeah. let's be honest, they take up and I'm mama. And I think that's a different dynamic too, is as a woman in this field, I'm still the mama. Mm-hmm. So I have that. I, I have, I don't know. I don't mean to sound like offensive or anything like that, but it's a different dynamic for dads and moms, yeah. especially when they're little, little. For sure. Babies need their mamas. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that was kind of different for me when they were really little. And um, yeah, so they're only three. My twins are three. My, I have an older son that's 10. Um, but yeah, I'm very, I am their world. So sure. when I'm home, they are, they are my distraction. And let's be honest, it's hard to do other things when yeah. you have little kids. But, you know. Um, I can't imagine having two of them like at the same. Oh, it's so like, much fun. My my little guy, like if I t- cloned him and had two at the same mm-hmm. time. And it happens sometimes like when his friends come over that I'm yeah. just like, my God. like What the hell? Like what's on fire? You know, like these guys just don't stop. I can't yeah. imagine. The, oh, it's it's yeah. great. It's so much fun. It. I mean, yeah, there's nothing like it. Um, But, you know, they're welcome distractions. And then, you know, so last year we had COVID. So we, and where I live, I have a little bit of property. So I had my husband build me a garden. Yeah. um, And that was cool to, to have my veggie garden outside Mm -hmm. and that we did that as a family and um, we, we go camping Um, mm -hmm. yep. We, we load the kids up. We love, we like going out to the lake, stuff like that. We're, we're an outdoorsy kind of family. Um, your your husband's a big hunter. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a hunting widow. A (laughs) hundred percent. From like (laughs) September to December pretty much. But it's good. You know, he, he is in his role. He's an administrator now. Right. So, um, but he needs that. I, I will say without a doubt that your husband is a cop's cop administrator. Oh, uh, yes. He will. Yes. yes. Till the day and he I, dies. I want, if he hears that, I want him to know that it's a compliment for me. Yeah. And he knows that. He you know. he would know that, Drew. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you know, we just, we live in a place where, where people do a lot of stuff outdoors and, mm-hmm. and that's us, that's us too. Um. So, yeah. Okay. Lisa, what's your distractions? 
I wish I had a fun answer. I don't. <laughs> I'm really boring. Like no, you're not. <laughs> really, like the first thing that came to mind when you asked that was sleep. Sure. <laughs> Isn't that awful? <laughs> but I think um, for me, I think you know we are dealing with some strange times with COVID. You know, yeah. and everybody, um, everybody's dealing with that stress a little differently. And when I get stressed out, I that I sleep. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I don't have children. It's just my husband and I. We've got fur kids. Yeah. Um, but we don't we don't have a crazy social life. We don't you know, my sister's here with who her two children. Um my dad lives here and when so when I'm not busy, um and I actually have time to go home and not do something, that sure. is my most favorite time. Yeah. Um and whether it's like taking a nap at two in the afternoon because I'm old now <laughs> and I like that. Um or or sitting and, and reading a magazine, which I don't ever get the time to do. Sure. Um, that's what I really look forward to. And one of these days, I'm going to learn how to crochet. I'm going to be an old woman okay. who goes and has dinner at 4.30 and then sits <laughs> in her chair um, and crochets like things that her nieces will never wear. Right. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, I really don't have a fun answer. I just. Sure I, you I, do. I, well, you... not really because I don't. I don't. Well, it doesn't have to be fun. It just has to be taking care of you. Well. You know? I'm going to dime you out because I know that you investigate more than crime. Uh-huh. I was waiting for and you to say your, that, but I didn't want to, like, one of your here comes the other part-time <laughs> pastimes and things that you, unless you don't want me to talk about it, I'll edit it out. No, it's fine. It's, um, so I also investigate the paranormal. Right. The, the problem with that is, is it does take so much time. Um, I've not had, um, the time recently to devote to that like I would like to. Right. And, you know, I've been doing that since 2007. Sure. And so I um, I think the the excitement has worn off. Yeah. Um, and it's really few and far between now with cases that come up that I feel would, would benefit from a, a full-scale investigation. Sure. And then even when that is an option – it's do I want to devote my time to that right now? Um, right. Because, you know, two years ago, life was crazy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not anymore, thankfully, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> and I know that that can change at any time. But, yes, I am fascinated. I am. I love anything to do with the paranormal. Sure. But I also recognize that it takes a lot from me. And so I haven't done a lot of that. Right. I don't even do anything during, you know, the, the fall season anymore. Mostly because I'm probably jaded. Like a lot of this stuff is, you know, regurgitated stories just to draw right. in people to spend money. You know, mm-hmm. and, and those and those different businesses need the money. So don't get me wrong. And and I'm sure there's activity there, but man, it t- it takes so much time. Sure. And on top of, I had a friend call it. Um, what was it? Um, what it was like empathy overload or something like that yeah. with COVID. Oh you know, yeah. And, um, how everybody's just exhausted. And then you add on people that are terrified to be in the, in their own homes, you know? Sure. And so I go from, you know, working sex and child cases to dealing with fear. And I just, I'm like, I need a break. Yeah. I, I can't continue to do this. And so I will read stories and I will, mm-hmm. you know, watch videos, but that's as far as it goes lately. Hopefully I have some ideas in my head about where I'd like to take it, but um, hopefully my energy level picks up here, you know, I think with spring coming and right. COVID's kind of 
lessening a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, knock yeah. on wood for that. Right. Yeah. That that'll change and energy will spike a little bit and sure. get some, you know, vitamin D and, <laughs> yeah. and like these stupid windy days will go away. Yeah. And the gray. Yeah. That's what I call it. It's just, a, it's a gray day. Cause it it's is just a gray day. like bleary and yep. blah. Yep. So, and it's always Saturdays and Sundays, right. <laughs> you know, it's never, cause those are the days off that we have now. It's never, we're off like on normal times instead of shift work like Kate, where she has, yep. you know, mixed days off through right. the week. So, but mm-hmm. if you ever come across any creepy toy, whether it's just creepy cause yes. it's worn down buy it and I will pay for yes, it. Yes. And that's like, for I all the listeners, <laughs> for all the listeners, shoot me a message. If you have creepy dolls. Lisa has or a thing for creepy dolls. Yeah, or specifically creepy. Yeah. specifically dolls. I know you got a thing yeah. for clown dolls. Yeah. And dolls. Yep. Yeah. I do. So mm. all right. <laughs> you guys got anything else? No, no. thanks, Drew. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Drew. Well, I appreciate you guys coming in, man. It's been awesome. It's it's always great to work with you. I am so lucky to have tough, strong female cops like you guys that I can rely on no matter what. So all right. Well, this has been episode three of the Doored Up Podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Doored Up Podcast. You can find us on Podbean at www.thedooreduppodcast.podbean.com. And you can find us on Apple. Uh, make sure you leave us a review and uh, leave a comment. I don't care if you say we're being held hostage and it's cold in here. We were, we're following orders and just leaving a review because he told us to, but it drives us up the charts on their funky algorithm. So... Uh, Everybody stay safe, stay frosty, and we'll see you next time.